Hey, Geekscapers, we are here. Whoa. Shut the fuck up, Dragon Ball Z. Hey Geekscapers, welcome to San Diego Comic-Con 2023. The booth has not opened yet on the first full day of Comic-Con. We are before the doors opening, and uh, this is going to be a lot of Comic-Con special coming your way on the Geekscape feed. I'm sitting here with my partner in the Geekscape network, the man who runs the Geekscape network, the man in charge of bringing you the most idiosyncratic shows in the podcast sphere. Stuff that, like, I'm like, Really? You're going to do a Christmas 365 year-round podcast? How's that going to... Oh, my God, look at the numbers on that thing. It's a success. I, I, I'll, I'll just admit right now, though, Matt, I knew the Weird Al podcast was going to be a hit. <laughs> like, I fucking love it. And I'm going to say right now, and Geekscape, we're getting a little inside baseball on this, but I'm sitting here with Matt, who runs the Geekscape Network. Say hi. Hey, it's Matt. We're sitting at the booth uh, as the floor starts to wake up and everybody goes to their exhibit hall. We're at San Diego Comic-Con 2023. I'm going to say this right now. Matt, you rumored a podcast in the vein of Weird Al. We're not going to reveal it here. Um, in the vein of the Weird Al podcast, another deep dive uh, like Weird Algorithms where you look at an artist's like discography, song by song, with a guest, and talk about it. I think I want to pull rank and demand to be a part of that show. <laughs> Because they are one of my favorite bands of all time, and they changed the trajectory of my life. And we're not going to reveal the band, but you guys will probably be able to surmise if you're listening to this. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's talk Comic Con. Let's not talk Geekscape too much. Let's talk Comic Con. Uh, this is uh, I did the math. This is our thirteenth year as exhibitors, but I'm going to call it twelve because we lost one of the pandemic. Yeah. So this is our twelfth year as exhibitors. I did the math on myself. I've been coming to San Diego Comic Con. Barring the pandemic, every year since 2005, when my short film Gay by Dawn played the film festival in one best humor parody film. And then we had the Geek Drum year where Dan and I came and did the podcast live upstairs in the sales pavilion. And then it was 2007 where we had Steve Wiebe from King of Kong on the show. And we had the Guyans. I don't know if you remember the Guyans. So you don't forget the Guyans. That was 2007, and here we are in 2023. Why are we still doing this? No, we're sitting here, and we're actually podcasting from the booth with a speaker, with a mixer, acting like a podcast network for the first time. <laughs> and in Geeks Games, we're going to bring you some cool Comic-Con stuff. Everybody who signs at the booth is going to get interviewed here and be part of this grab bag uh, series. I don't want to call it an episode. It's going to be a series of uh, releases on the podcast feed. Uh, Matt. What are you looking forward to most this week? Uh, just hanging out with you, John. We're, we're already having fun. We're learning the excitement of sharing a hotel room with four people with sleep apnea has been a real experience so far. Uh, and I'm excited for four more nights of that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Matt. Like We sleep on our sides, and it gets super quiet super fast. But that first night, Geekscapist, 
Uh, I've had some insomnia, and I woke up a little before midnight, uh, and I had, we were tuckered. Like uh, We came down on Tuesday. We set up the booth. Uh, the SUV was crammed. We even had to put Matt on a train because Derek and I were like, uh, the three of us were like, not all three of us are going to fit with all this stuff. We packed it. We brought it down. We were awesome with the math because I got the exhibitor badges and you walked up three minutes later and we walked in and set up the booth and it was the fastest setup of all time. I think this is the best the booth has looked. We really planned it out. Thank you, dude. We all did a great job, but you were a big part of it. And um, I got to say, uh, when I, my, my head hit the pillow that night, I was like, I'm not going to wake up. I'm going to be good. I woke up within two hours, and I tried to fall back asleep. I wanted to sleep so badly, I watched Secret Invasion. <laughs> I watched the fifth episode of Secret Invasion, and I was like, this will knock my ass out easy. <laughs> I watched the whole damn thing. <laughs> when I'm, like, dead awake and I watch Secret Invasion, it's like, <laughs> put me to sleep. <laughs> That's a preview of Ian and I talking about the Secret Invasion series. <laughs> But if you want to hear about Secret Invasion, I mean, just Googling Secret Invasion reactions on the Internet will probably give you some semblance of what my feelings are. Even like Binge Town, which is usually the most optimistic TV podcast we have, has had like the last three episodes. You're like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know about the Secret Invasion, man. That being said, uh, I finished the episode and I was like, damn, how the hell am I going to get to sleep? I'm sensitive to someone snoring because Matt like i snore like crazy and we all have sleep apnea but it goes away if you sleep on your side at least in my case and i look over and i was like is this guy on his side and matt is straight up on his back and he looks like a pez dispenser is <laughs> an open pez dispenser like he's about to get loaded and uh and i was like oh fuck i gotta put him on his side and i was like matt roll over on your side matt roll over your side i just he just wasn't getting it so i get up <laughs> I get up and I put my hand on Matt and I kind of start shaking him a little bit more and more each time to like be like, Matt, get on your side, get on your side. He woke up like he was getting stabbed to death in his sleep. He's like, no, uh, uh, no, what's happening? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh. Well, so I am 99% of the time a sleep on my side person, but I also am not used to sharing a bed with someone. So I was trying to be like, it's like, maybe if I lay on my back, like, I'll kind of, like, lock my You're trying to be neutral. Yeah, like, I was like, I'll lock myself into position because I roll in my sleep. You can only do that by spooning the other person in bed. <laughs> so, so that's why I'm sleeping on a, an air mattress on the floor now because I can actually just lay and feel like I can stretch out just enough to be comfortable. Yeah, so that's how I discovered I had sleep apnea, apparently. And that's how I, and that's how I found out that you uh, dream of getting murdered in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> when you wake up and when somebody touches you in your sleep, no, 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 no. It was pretty funny. Uh, and you know what? We all got our size. We slept like, you know, you could have you could have heard a, char- a church mouse fart, as they would say back in Texas. Well, so we're here. It's Thursday. Who, uh, you know, obviously you're going to release these kind of in a series, but let's say this episode is the Thursday episode. Who can people expect to hear from from the signings today? Uh, we got our friend Don Nguyen on, David Avalone, who's a, not a new friend, but he's a new friend to Geekscape. He's never been on Geekscape, but um, we have so many mutuals that when I saw him at LA Comic Con, I said, hey, I got to have him sign at the booth. Uh, David is actually doing the Elvira book right now, so he's a great dude. Um, and then this is my favorite comic on the stands right now. We had him on the podcast. 
Tony Fleece is here with Local Man and his co-creator of Local Man, Tim Seeley, uh, is on. And um, I'm excited to talk to them. And then Friday, we got more signings. Oh, you hear that? You hear that? The exhibit hall is about to open. Um, but I got to tell you, the highlight from preview night is the one thing I wanted at Comic-Con. I ducked away and I went and got Stan Sakai, Yusagi Jimbo creator, to sign a print for me. And I shook his hand and all that stuff. Like I, It's the one thing I wanted when I came to Comic-Con. I was like, hey, I got to get a signed Yusagi finally. I got a little bit of money. I'm going to go get it right now. And I went over there, and he was so sweet and so nice. Took a picture with me, signed my Yosaki print. I'm going to find a frame for it, and it's going to go in my house. And Matt, did you pick up anything yesterday? Uh, I visited our friends at Troma and grabbed a copy of Return to Return of Newcomb High. Uh, because I never, it's a two, it's the second part of a two part movie that I've never seen the second part of. So can finally complete the uh, Newcomb High franchise, I guess. Uh, with that, but that's it. I'm not. I have a set rule for myself, which is I have to sell X amount of shirts to justify being allowed to buy anything at Comic Con. Otherwise, you got to carry the shirts back, and you got to make the space for the things you buy exactly. by selling the shirts. Um, well, Scott and Kyle of Horror Movie Night, you've got Return to Return of Nukemai coming your way <laughs> because you've been spared this long. But now that Matt has it in his possession, it sounds like an upcoming uh, Horror Movie Night episode. So subscribe to Horror Movie Night if you want to hear that one. Uh, I had one thing to add, and it slipped my mind. It'll come back later, but uh, I'm looking forward to all this, dude. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good year. I'm really excited for this year. Uh, I can tell. Look, floor's not even open yet. We're, we got our voices coming out the speaker in the front of the table. I'm not sure if you caught. There was definitely one or two people that stopped by just to kind of hear the conversation for a little bit. So I think this is this is the setup for future years for sure now. <laughs> we have our own little mini panel stage right here at the Kingsgate <laughs> booth with a speaker pointed towards the floor and Matt and I talking. Uh, be- to, to guess behind the booth uh, awesome dude uh, Geekscape is hang tight there's more content from the Geekscape SDCC 2023 booth coming your way alright Geekscape I'm here with my good friend Don Wen. hello Geekscape how are ya he's been on the show I think you're mainly on the show on these Comic Con episodes right yeah I've been on a few couple times uh, I hang out with you guys all the time here at San Diego Comic Con and I see you guys sometimes at LA Comic Con what are some of the things you got here at the booth I have some original art sketch covers. For those who don't know, I do uh, sketch cards for Marvel Upper Deck, and I do a ton of variant covers, and I have uh, some original art for Second Side Publishing, as well as my comics Retro, uh, which is out now, funded on Kickstarter, and features a variant cover by actor Rena Wilson from Mike and Molly and Good Girls, and Battle Grapple Rebel, which is essentially a story, if you are a fan of wrestling, think WWE or WCW or AEW, mashed with Star Wars. Okay, okay. Can we find this stuff? It, like, like a Geekscapist is listening to this and they're not at the con. Where do they find it? Uh, they can find it online at my Etsy store. I am known as Winning It Online, which is the most common Vietnamese last name, Win. It's spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. Add an I-N-G-I-T to that. I'm on most social media platforms. It's trademarked. So uh, if you find it, you find me. You straight up trademarked it. I really did trademark it, yes. I own what if I go and get winning time? You can do that. That's okay. <laughs> All right. What are some of your favorite projects here? Some of them sound really cool. Tell me about this one. So Retro started out uh, as storyboards. I did it with Aaron Lindenthaler. He's the uh, co-creator writer. 
And he was like, hey, can you do storyboards for me? And I was like, sure. And then he asked if I could finalize the storyboards, which is an odd request. So uh, we inked and colored the storyboards. He animated them, got it into the longest running film festival in LA, Dances with Films, which I'm sure you're very well aware of. And his uh, friend, actor Rena Wilson from Mike and Molly, saw it and was like, let's do the live action version of this. So the live action short film just debuted here in San Diego as part of the Mobile Film Festival about uh, two months ago, a month and a half ago. And then the comic is out right now and features a live action variant with actor Rena Wilson, as well as my original cover featuring Retro. Uh, it's for fans of projects like Christopher Nolan movies. If you guys ever seen Memento, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Looper, imagine those two things mashed together. It's about a guy who wakes up in a fugue state, doesn't know what's happening. All he has are flashes of memory that all point to a terrible tragedy. And he's trying to figure out how he's involved. Is he the hero or is he the villain? All he knows is strapped to his arms, the device that allows him to travel back in time in short spurts. And he uses that to piece together the puzzle of his life and maybe kick a little ass along the way. That's available on your Etsy as well? Yep. Yep, it's out right now. It's available on the Etsy. And I only have eight copies of the Reno, well, seven because I already sold one. Seven copies left of Reno's cover. But you can still get the regular cover. It's limited edition print. Only 125 made of the Reno covers and only 375 made of the regular covers. In this battle grapple rebel, our wrestling fans, sell this to them. Why would they want to read this? So I just want to shout out the team that is involved with this comic. First off, Michael Tanner is our writer. Some of you guys may know him out there. If you uh, have ever read Junior Braves of the Apocalypse through Oni Press or Orcs in Space, he did that comic. Um, and he is a huge wrestling and Star Wars geek. So he essentially combined two of these loves, and he pitched this comic to me at San Diego Comic-Con right before the pandemic. I believe that was 2019. He was like, hey, Don, I got a great project I got in mind for you. What do you think about Star Wars or wrestling? And I was like, I'm in. He sent me the script. It blew my mind. It is fantastic, and I'm on board. We're working on number two right now. Uh, it's in rough thumb stage, so hopefully we'll get the second one out soon. After I finish Pablo 2 and 3. And uh, talk about Pablo the Gorilla a little bit. So Pablo the Gorilla was my very first uh, creator-owned comic. It's about an albino cyborg gorilla that delivers pizza. He just wants to live his life, but the government that created him, they want their property back. And he's being hunted by something a little more sinister. Dustin Wynn, two-time Eisner winner Dustin Wynn, was gracious enough to do a variant cover for that comic. And I'm working on number two right now. I've been part of over 20 Kickstarter campaigns since. It's been really busy. But now I'm making the time to work on Pablo the Gorilla number two. So I hope everybody out there looks forward to that book. Yo, Don, I don't think I've ever had your origin story. You grew up. What got you into comics? I discovered comics at the Berrien Public Library. I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. Uh, my mom was going to community college at the time, Highline Community College. And she just dropped me off at the kids section. And, you know, I grew up in the age where they were showing reruns of Batman 66 and, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends and I, the Justice League cartoon was out. And I never knew that those were comics. And uh, Annie was really popular at the time. Did not know it was a comic. And when I went to the library, I discovered comics. I read a compendium of all the Orphan Annie comics. Uh, I fell in love with that. And they had floppies, so I got to... I learned about Walt Simonson on Thor, John Byrne on X-Men, and they had his Man of Steel comics, and that's when I fell in love with comics. That's pretty much a golden era right there to learn about comics and fall in love with comics, and it carries you right into the late 80s 
And you followed pro- you probably followed John Byrne right over to DC, didn't you? I did not. You know, I I read that stuff. I mean, the DC was the Man of Steel stuff, so he was doing yeah. Superman, and I would watch Superman on VHS. Remember VHS? And uh, when I saw John Byrne Superman, I was like, oh my god, he's drawing Superman. Like that's Superman. Uh, he's leaping off of the page. So uh, that's that was my in. But from that, I actually read more Marvel comics than anything else because X-Men really got me into reading X-Men. Um, and, you know, my I think for me, the age of comics when I was really, like, influenced by it was uh, the 90s era. So all the image founders, that was my group of guys that I like to read and, like, follow their art. That's amazing. All right, Geekscapists, you know where to find him. You know what he's got. Uh, dude, thanks for signing at the booth. Hey, thanks for having me once again. I appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys were my very first Comic-Con signing experience. That's amazing. Yeah. You didn't know that? I had no idea. Yeah, when we were here many moons ago, and we did our Inktober project, Andy Norval and I, Siren Song, uh, you guys were the first to have us at San Diego Comic-Con. And look at you now, <laughs> 80 Kickstarters later. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all because we met... At a never-ending story, Senespia screening. Yes. So shout out to Senespia and uh, Forever Hollywood Cemetery. And yeah, we just randomly met there, and it was a fantastic time, and I got to know you and Heidi, and uh, it's been love and kismet ever since. Shout outs to Falcor. <laughs> uh-huh. It was not almost, it wasn't almost famous. I think it was almost famous. Oh, it was almost famous? Heidi's yeah, saying it was almost famous. Okay, it was almost famous. It was almost famous. That's how we met. We met at the almost famous screening. Thank you for the correction, Heidi. Clearly the smarter half and the one with the memory. (laughs) Thank you once again, man, for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Geekscapists, I'm sitting here with David Avalone. He's a writer. He's written this adaptation of Kolchak the Night Stalker. We've got these Elvira comics. These are the ones that I bought right here. And you've been drawing for a You've actually been writing for a while, David. Where did you get your start writing comics? Uh, friend at this Comic-Con in the lobby bar of the uh, Bayfront Hilton, I was introduced to the editor-in-chief of Dynamite Comics, and uh, they've been publishing me for nine years. So go to the bars, kids. Go to the bars and meet, uh, meet editors and people who can give you jobs. Tell me about how you did that. Uh, so you always wanted to be a, a writer. I mean, not just a comic book writer, but a writer in general, correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was working in film uh, for years and years and years and honestly couldn't get arrested. And uh, when I got the opportunity to write comics, I ran with it. And uh, it's been a great, it's a, it's a great medium and you can do anything in it. And uh, I, have, I have no regrets. And the, uh, the irony is that writing comic books has led back to the best work I've ever had in film and TV. And so Dynamite Comics, they mainly do a lot of adaptation stuff. Like, again, like... I mentioned Kolchak, not that that's a dynamite book, but with the Elvira, you're writing a bunch of stuff that are other people's ideas for comics. They're hiring you to take their ideas and put them through words, through the prism that you know how to do as a writer really well. Uh, any of your original ideas on the table right now, your, these are your stories, your characters, and maybe some of the things that you were attempting in film, you said, hey, let's put them out in the marketplace, let's establish the IP in comics. Dynamite, or some, maybe somebody else has given me a chance to do that. Well, uh, on the table right now is the Drawing Blood comic, which I co-created with Kevin Eastman, uh, based on an idea of his. But it's very much, it became something that the two of us are doing. And uh, we self-published those. 
uh, later today at the Kevin Eastman panel at 5 o'clock, we will announce which major publisher has picked it up. Whoa, that's awesome. And I see here now the uh, it's got the Kevin Eastman logo on it. That is an imprint that he created just to put out Drawing Blood? That well, he's had Kevin Eastman Studios as brand for a long time. Sure, sure, sure. I remember when they were in the remember when they were in that that window outside of a meltdown for a stretch when he was doing oh, yeah. that stuff. He was drawing live in front of people over there on Sunset. Yeah, but yeah, so so we revived that as an imprint to publish Drawing Blood. But now, it, like I said, it's been picked up by a major publisher, and that news is going to go out today, and we're very excited about it. That's amazing. If I don't publish the podcast live, uh, who is it? I'm kidding. Uh, Geekscape, it's just look for it. On, I'm sure it'll hit a couple of the uh, comic book publications and news publications here on the web. So we're excited about that, Dave. That's great news. And uh, Kevin's been on the show. He's a friend. Uh, I love this stuff. Um, what is this a Betty Page comic? What is this? Go- uh, yeah. How'd that happen? Uh, they asked me to do Betty Page in, I feel like it was 2017. And I did... Three series and two Halloween specials. Uh, one eight-page, one eight-issue series, one five-issue, and one ten-issue uh, called Betty Page Unbound. And they're a lot of fun. They're set in 1953 and 1954. Uh, they're sort of a tribute to everything about 1950s culture that's fun. There's a giant insects, atomic mutant insects in the desert issue. There's an issue where uh, the, the second series I did... Uh, is called uh, The Princess and the Pinup, and uh, it's about Queen Elizabeth II being ad- abducted by a UFO in 1953, right before a coronation. So it's the crown with flying saucers. Uh, so that's a fun one. And then the third one is a multiverse story where Betty Dynamite wanted to do a thing where, uh, and it was really just about having cool covers where Betty was dressed as Red Sonia, Betty was dressed as Vampirella. Uh, and they said, you know, do a story where maybe she's, you know, an actress playing the parts in movies. And I said, I'd rather do something more fun than that. And we did a story where Betty keeps waking up in a new universe where she is Red Sonia, where she is Vampirella, where she is Deja Thoris, and where she is Tinkerbell in the fourth issue. So it was a lot of fun. So Betty, Betty saves the universe from Cthulhu, basically. And you basically got to, like, celebrate all the pulp stuff that you love. Did you grow up on that stuff? I don't actually... Yeah. The, the funny thing is, I've known David for many years. We're uh, we're always in the same circles. He's never been on Geekscape Geekscapists, and uh, it wasn't until like we were uh, like crossing over a room at LA Comic Con that I was like, "Dude, you should have David at the booth at Comic Con. Uh, he's a friend. Why aren't you promoting his stuff?" And then, of course, I picked up the Elvira book. I loved that, and uh, here you are at the booth. Um, I need your origin story. Like, where did you grow up, and how did you get into writing, and like, maybe your love of pulp, if that's really an accurate assessment? That is an accurate ex- assessment. My father was a novelist. He wrote over 200 published novels. And he, uh, I mean, and he wrote famously a uh, private eye series about a guy called Ed Noon. There are 36 of those published between 1953 and 1985. And then, uh, but he's really famous for doing. Uh, media tie-in stuff like he wrote Partridge Family novels he did the novelization of Beneath the Planet of the Apes and Cannonball Run and Friday the 13th Part 3 and he would he loved the pulps and I grew up uh, at the time when all of the 1930s pulps were being it was the paperback boom which was very big for his career 
and they reprinted all of the Doc Savage and a lot of the Shadow and G8 in his battle, like a lot of pretty obscure 1920s, 1930s stuff. And uh, so I grew up reading that stuff and I loved it. And one of my pitches, you you know, you asked about my origin story uh, as a comics writer. At the time that Dynamite hired me to write, I think it was Legendary Vampirella was the first series I did, which was like a steampunk Vampirella. But uh, they had all of the licenses of Doc Savage and The Shadow. And one of the things I said to the editor-in-chief, you're going to have a hard time hiring someone under the age of 70 who's not like having to read a Wikipedia page to know who Doc Savage is. You know, but I can do that. I've, I've done the homework. I know, I know these characters like the back of my hand, and I can write them. And luckily, I did do a Doc Savage series called Ring of Fire, and I did a Shadow series called uh, Twilight Zone The Shadow, which was a mashup of Twilight Zone, the TV series, and The Shadow Pulp from the 1930s. And that was a wild, wild that was a challenging premise, but I think it came out really good. And do you know Michael Uslan? No. The producer on the he was on the show, and he's... He has crazy stories about the shadow and trying to get the shadow with Sam Raimi up a bo- like as a film and all this. So if you are in the same room as Michael, that's how you introduce yourself. He'd be like, I think we're both shadow fans. He's a massive shadow fan. Two, two things about that. One is when Dark, uh, when Dark Man came out, uh, I went to see Sam Raimi doing a poster giveaway on some comic book shop or a memorabilia shop on Hollywood Boulevard. And when I got to the head of the line, he handed me the poster, and I said, so you couldn't get the rights to the shadow, huh? And he went, shh, <laughs> which was very funny. I had met him before because I was friends with someone who was in uh, Army of Darkness as well, actor named Richard Grove. Uh, and two, I'm an extra in the Alec Baldwin movie. In the Alec Baldwin shadow movie, you're an extra in it. Is that good or bad? No, it was fun. It was fun. I actually freaked them out because I had just signed up with uh, Central Casting. And they, they rarely call you. Usually you call them and see what's available. And, but they called me and said, we have a bunch of size 36, 38 tuxedos we're looking to fill uh, for the shadow. And I said, oh, man, am I going to the Cobalt Club? And the, the guy, there was silence. And the guy went, how the hell do you know what the scene in the movie that hasn't been released yet is? And I said, it's the shadow. The shadow goes to the Cobalt Club. That's where he wears a tuxedo. Uh, and when I got there, I, I had thought, like, in an abstract way, why are they all size 38 and 36? And I get there, and I went, oh, I'm here to make Alec Baldwin look tall. That's right. That is My gig here is to be three inches shorter than Alec Baldwin so that he, you know, dominates the room when he walks in. He's not short, but he's 5'9", five 5'10", five and the shadow is supposed to be, like, 6'4". Uh, so a lot of short extras in that movie. But I have a great photograph. That I have a screen grab in the movie uh, when uh, the Shadow's girlfriend, Margot Lane, enters, uh, spacing on the actress's name right now, Penelope Ann Miller. Uh, when she walks in, I'm standing just to her right with my hands folded in front of myself. And you can see they did it like she's surrounded in an aura of light and the rest of the room goes dark. But I, my glasses are reflecting the light, so you can really... When I saw the movie, I was like, I can't believe the AD didn't tell me to take my freaking glasses off because I'm drawing focus from her. That's pretty amazing. It, it makes it easy to see me, so that's nice. Dave, that's an amazing story. Uh, but that, what else do you expect from David Aloni? Geeks Gabus, if you uh, are not here on the floor at Comic-Con checking out his work, where's the best place to find you? 
I have a website, davidavalonefreelance.com. I mean, one of the great things about growing up with a name that people made fun of you for is it's really rare and hard to find. So I think the first nine pages of Google on David Avalone are actually me. I think at page 10, you run into uh, Lieutenant uh, David Avalone, a, an Army veteran and lawyer who seems like a very nice guy. Uh, but so, yeah, I can be found there, and that has links to all my social media and all that. Well, perfect, David. Thanks for signing at the booth. Hang out as long as you want, man, at least until the uh, guys from uh, Local Man show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. All right, Geekscapists, I'm here at the Comic-Con booth, San Diego Comic-Con 2023, and I've got the creators of my favorite comic book on the stands. And it's not just something I'm saying in their presence. You guys have heard me say it on the podcast for a few months now, that Local Man from Image Comics is my favorite comic. And I've got Tim Seeley and Tony Fleas here. Tony was on the podcast a few months ago talking about Local Man. And now I've got Tim here. Tim, I've heard Tony's story on it. Why don't you tell me your involvement with Local Man and maybe introduce yourself to the Geekscapists. If they're not familiar with their work, which they should be. Sure. Uh, my name is Tim Seeley. I've been doing this for a really long time, up uh, about 20-some years. I did Hackslash uh, for Devil's Do That Image. Uh, I write and draw. Uh, so uh, I've known Tony, we don't exactly know how long, but at some point we met doing this business and we would always talk about the dumb 90s comics that no one else talks about. Um, and there's a very specific, the 90s there was like this burst of all these people putting out independent stuff and a lot of that stuff like probably sold like a million and a half copies and has never been heard from again. But uh, we have... I still have my troll issue. Yes. Yeah, so I'm kidding. So... Uh, but we, I probably do. We hit, well, we had a lot of affection for those those particular books, and then b- b- right before the pandemic struck, I was at a show in Long Island, or Long Beach, sorry, long, the other Long, and Tony and I were talking about is there a way to do a comic that combined our affections for '90s Vertigo and '90s Image, and so I said I have a nugget, but we should talk about it, and then we all got stuck in the house for two years, and Tony and I would just draw stuff and send it back and forth. And it's completely like a fusion of our stuff. Um, so it's like using characters that I made up when I was actually in the 90s and Tony making up characters, using characters that he actually made up in the 90s and then trying to sort of distill this, like, a vibe, a feeling, I think, that we sort of felt like was the, the sophisticated kind of mystery stuff that those 90s Vertigo has, but also kind of modern image, which I think was a big part of our influence is like, what if you did a 90s image story through the lens of modern image. So I think that was kind of the genesis of what we were thinking. So it's a whole bunch of shit fused into one very odd book. Well, what I love about it is that when you talk about the, the modern, and I hadn't thought about it as, as the Vertigo books, and it totally makes sense, but why I think this book is pertinent now, why I think it's uh, my favorite book on the stands, is because the, the kind of Jeff Lemire indie books that, tell the smaller human stories are what led me to it. This guy, and he's defeated, he's he's kicked out, he's kind of going through a bit of a midlife crisis, returns home, and it's not home anymore. There's a lot of closed doors to him. He's dissed right off in the first scene. But there's also a superhero story here, and it does have the nostalgia that I think is coming back in style of the that early 90s. And Rob Liefeld has a podcast, it's one of the only podcasts I listen to, where he really celebrates the stuff that he and the Image Founders were doing in those early 90s in the style that you guys are... I'm going to not say that you're goofing. I think you guys are legitimately in love with this stuff. Yeah. But but it was goofy in and of itself. And y'all are, y'all are 
being y'all are being faithful to it. And this book is beautiful tonally and that the story that goes forward in time, the modern day story, is really sweet and really exciting at the same time. And then Geekscape, is, you flip these single issues over and you get the 90s comic in the 90s style. And those are fun and fill in a lot of relationship blanks of where things are with these characters 30 years later. Well, Tim and I also, like when we were, were first starting this, like I was just divorced and Tim had, within the past few years, been divorced. And we talked about sort of like that Temple of Doom collaboration where people that have gone through a bunch of stuff sort of put that into the work. And, and so we wanted to make this a story that was about somebody that was like going through a really dark place and trying to figure out like where they fit in and what they're supposed to be doing. And so sort of like putting that on our main character and just have like in, imbuing it with all this sort of like emotion seemed like a good way to to sort of you know try and work through some of that but also like make this guy feel more real than than your your regular protagonist in like a like a noir story set in the midwest or whatever you know so we got three divorcees right here behind the table (laughs) i did i i I, probably more i did get remarried in october but i will tell you maybe that is why this book resonates with me so much the geekscapists have been with me some of y'all for since 2005 2006 uh, y'all saw me get married the first time. Y'all saw me get divorced. Y'all saw me get remarried. Y'all saw the, the, the stuff I've been through the last couple years. And this book is real. And uh, Tony, I, I didn't bring this up when I had you one-on-one on the show, but I think that that speaks a lot of truth to why this book resonates with me and also why it feels uh, honest. And I think that, that the honesty is what I love the most about this book while still being fun, Geekscapist, this is still a comic about superheroes. and It's just some of them are post their superhero career and popularity. And Tim, the hack slash stuff, and I know friends who've tried to option hack slash or maybe have, uh, and what's going on with this, and then seeing things uh, with hack slash go up and down. And I, being in Hollywood myself, you always wonder, like, hey, is this ever going to happen? How much of the Hollywoodness that affects your comic book career how much of this career that you've had you just told me how long you've been in it how much of that makes you sometimes feel like when you see a new creator come up and pop off is in this character as well that goes back home and is no longer the hot superhero right because we love you but (laughs) I mean this this book is real well I mean I think it's partly that just because it's the the fear right the fear I think that that is in here is that you know, and it's, it goes across, you know, jobs and everything. But the idea that if you're from a small town, there's this sort of you, everybody who lives there is either deciding they're going to stay and make it work, or they're going to escape. That's only two ways that you live in a small town. And so when you leave, you always have to do this thing. When you leave, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something great. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, like when I come back here, I'm gonna be doing that thing. And there's. I think when I was in my 20s, the fear was like, you're never going to do it. And then the, the fear like later in your life is, what if I lose this and I got to go back and I'm going to be sitting at a bar and they'll say, I thought you went off to Chicago to do this thing. And you'd be, I would have to say, well, I did, but you know. And so that fear, which is just like this weird, like it's instilled in you if you lived sure. in a small town. Like that's what it comes from. This, and it, I think it's gotten worse in the last few years because of that rural urban divide that's kind of shaking the country. So... I, that is the thing I think I was putting in there. It's like less about the Hollywood shit because that wasn't really my job. But 
but also just sort of the the you know that you would get to do this thing that you cared about and that you told everybody you would do and maybe that's the more important parts and then you'd have to go back and be like yeah but I fucked it up like that is a nightmare to me to think about and I kind of felt like the early 90s image books and Tony and I talked about this a lot they were as much about getting famous as they were saving the world and that's because that's what Rob and Jim that's what they were going through right that was their at that time that's what their interest was and so you know it almost sometimes when you read those books you're like yeah they saved the world but it's like an afterthought and we felt like that was an interesting it's very different than a character created in the 30s who's like you know like Superman who is this um, sort of immigrant fantasy about you know fixing the world and showing people that you have value right that's what made Superman or oh we wish the rich would stop hurting us we wish they would help us which is what creates Batman And, and you know the 90s was I'm going to save the world, but I'm going to be a fucking star. I'm going to be Andre Agassi on the way there. And I, I think we've moved past that sort of world, too, because I didn't grow up in that sort of system. But but in TikTok know. and in the individualistic kind of yeah. celebratory social media world, I think that there's a lot of resonance that your book comes. What you just said resonates a lot. Totally. And I think uh, Rob Liefeld was just talking on his podcast about how close that image deal almost was a DC deal. Because Tom McFarlane was like, hey, guys, I don't know about this going off on our own thing. Maybe wait for me to do Batman. Batman will make me even an even bigger star. And Jim and Rob are like, hey, dude, we might have to do this now. And Paul Levitz, luckily for the fans, gave them supposedly not a deal that Rob and And then they ended up just saying, okay, this isn't enough. Let's just start Image and let's take that risk. So... Yeah, the, he ended up with a jeans commercial. Like, remember Rob Liefeld yeah. was in that freaking Levi's commercial? Yeah, they, they were straight up celebrities. Um, where do you see this? I mean, maybe this is a Hollywood story. Because, again, I think the resonance here on a personal level and on a social level is what I'm loving about this book. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, I feel like, Antonio and I, have, we've done this for a long enough time that there's this weird thing where superheroes kind of seem like they're the mainstream when you work in comics, but they're not really the mainstream anywhere else, and they're not even really the mainstream in comics, right? Like, so I, I feel like if you go out with a superhero book and it's not Marvel or DC, you hit a there's a bump, a wall that you can go. I mean, The Boys has kind of changed that sort of, but The Boys already exists. So like, so we didn't make this thinking we were going to sell it into a TV show. Like, there was no early conversations like, you know, this is our movie pitch comic. This was like. This is our comic book comic. Uh, and if it, you know, if we can make it work as something else, it's always, it's always cake. But I don't think we ever thought, like, oh, this is, that's why we drew him like this, so that we'll get to cast Tom Cruise. Like, we weren't thinking that at all, you know. We sort of just, uh, like, made a comic that you have to be familiar with a certain brand of comics that came out 30 years ago to, to fully get, too. So it's like... You know, it's for a specific audience. But I've heard a lot of people that have that like read it and then jumped into dollar bins or bought the Cyberforce Compendium or whatever. But like, we didn't concoct this thing as like this is something that is like you know broad mainstream appeal. We're like, but we want to tell this personal story, so let's tell it in this personal way. And it's about the medium. It's like with the flip book, with the pages that you contribute that have the image style to it. It's about comics, and I feel like if you are gonna take that to TV, you got to make a, a show about modern superhero television, while also some John Wesley ship stuff with some puffy muscles as the flashbacks, you know, because that is that medium. 
and suddenly it, it comments on that as much as this comments on comics because it's just not going to translate without the form that it comes in because it is a, to me it is a wonderful book Geekscapist I want to uh, just ask Tony and you what is the future you guys have this special issue coming out in August I believe it's a one off yeah, Local Man Gold comes out in August. Uh, we're basically doing like a two-man image united. So Tim and I both draw on almost every page of this thing. Tim draws the image superheroes, and I draw the Local Man characters. Uh, um, cover? Gold foil cover, of course. Uh, uh, and it's a flip book just like every issue. Um, two different covers. Um, image Comics, four ninety nine, just like all your Deathmates cost in the 19... <laughs> we probably should have charged more for it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that comes out in August, and it's a true like Image Comics crossover. It's our book, but it guest stars uh, Jim Rugg's Street Angel. It's got uh, Phil Hester and Andy Coon's Fire Breather, uh, Mark Silvestri's Striker from Cyberforce, uh, Boof from Boof and the Bruise Crew, Todd McFarlane's amazing like all ages character, um, and uh, Scrap from Dynamo Five, and then then a bunch of other like cool Image superheroes show up. Uh, we got Golden Age heroes in this thing, so it's sort of like a like a celebration of comics from from the 90s but then going all the way back and then coming all the way forward like it's cool it's super cool this thing we made we yeah. just finished we just finished it uh, like last week so it's sort of fresh in our minds well last it, week <laughs> <laughs> well when, if it if this stuff, I'm guessing this stuff is the this is the trade that comes out in the fall will yeah. gold be a part of it no no so the trade will be the first five issues and gold will will be its own thing it'll and it'll be in volume 2 but the goal was to I, we kind of felt like um, we kind of gained some momentum on the series as people being like, oh, this was really good. I'm like, I'm surprised, which I hate that. But it just, that did seem to be the case. People were like, oh, I couldn't believe I really liked this. So we're, we're going to take give you something else to be like, reminder, this was cool, right? And then we'll you know set ourselves up to do another series uh, in October. So uh, this Issue 6 comes out in October, and that starts the second arc uh, called The Dry Season. It's another mystery. Um, and then, yeah. And then after issue six, we're going to do another special, and then we'll do another arc after that, and then we'll see what happens. I love it, guys. Thank you for making my favorite book. And I look forward to it every time it hits the stands. And uh, Geekscape is Tony Fleece is familiar to you guys from being on Geekscape, but now we got Tim here. He he should come on the show anytime to promote his many many books. Where the where's the best place to find your stuff, Tim? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Hackin' Tim Seeley and on Instagram at Tim Seeley. I do a lot of uh, talking bullshit on Twitter, but I post my art on Instagram. And uh, Tony, we know where to find you if you want to remind the Geekscapists. Yeah, I'm at Tony Fleece on all social media, TonyFleece.com. That's F-L-E-E-C-S. You can sign up for my email newsletter or buy original art or anything like that. Um, yeah. And Geekscapists, you know where to find them while you're at the con right here at the booth. But only for a few more minutes, and then they're going to move on because they're super busy. They've got my favorite book on the stands. I'll say it a million times for the next year, and I cannot wait for this gold issue. And Geekscapists will be back with some more guests here at the Geekscape booth. All right, San Diego Comic-Con. We are almost done with day number one, full day number one. Preview night was kind of uneventful, other than what we talked about in the intro to this episode. Matt Kelly has been here pretty much the entire time on day one. We're going to talk to him about what the uh, big moments were from day one. But our good friend Matt Sazama came by. You know Matt because he, if you listen to this feed, you heard the Lost in Space episode from a year ago where we did a panel here at Comic-Con. And that's where we met Matt for the first time. You hung out at the booth for a little bit. 
And uh, now you're in the midst of a strike. So we're not going to talk about any of your future projects, but you may know Matt from co-writing Morbius. Netflix is lost in space. And, you know, tons of other fun pop culture stuff. But really, I want you to know Matt as a Geekscape friend right here at Comic-Con. Matt, how have you been the last year since you've been uh, on this podcast? Oh, I've been great except for, you know, missing you, Jonathan, terribly. So I'm glad to finally be back uh, talking with you and looking forward to some awkward questions. So, Well, you're here because Burke hit me up in, like, January. I was like, hey, man, uh, I think we're going to be on a strike, and I don't think, like, we can, like, push anything, but, like, I'd love to go to Comic-Con because Burke is, like, straight up buying comics at these things. He loves collecting. You're co-writer. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, let's put a panel together. So we put a panel together. It got approved. We're still doing the panel. We're just going to converse during the panel with respect to the WGA rules and the SAG rules for the current strike. But we're still going to talk about adapting comics to TV and film, pop culture from the printed page to TV and film. Y'all did it with Morbius. You may have done it with other projects, but it's going to be a good panel. Um, Talk as much as you want or as little as you want about the current strike, but I, we just want to know that you're good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, it really, really helped that a bunch of uh, actors showed up to uh, help us out because it was looking pretty uh, pretty bleak. It was a little bit like the uh, the writers were like uh, Great Britain during World War II. You know, we're, we're small, we're scrappy, we're, but we're, we're, we're getting our asses handed to us. And all of a sudden, these like incredibly handsome people from America have shown up in record numbers to like uh, uh, help us out. So uh, I, I'm, I'm now uh, cautiously optimistic that things are going to work out better, not just for the writers, but for uh, all of Hollywood, thanks to uh, thanks to SAG-AFTRA. And you will inc- include the directors in that, even though they did their no comment. You don't want to comment on that. All comments. They, they didn't help us at all. <laughs> Which is okay. They, they, they took care of themselves, but uh, mostly I think they missed a uh, historic opportunity to, uh, to, to do best for all of Hollywood. But uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I, I hope they got a good deal for themselves. Uh, and that's it. And you know, whatever we end up with, they're also going to share in that also. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good. There are a lot of fine directors out there. Yeah. And when films are directed by AI, when films are directed by AI, they'll be kicking themselves in the pants for this. No, I I mean honestly, like it's like who knows how it's gonna shake out. But yeah, we, I think everybody's kind of shocked that the directors took, got a deal so quickly, and WGA and SAG here they are fighting. And um, yeah, I I think some of the language should. I mean, maybe I'm being optimistic and maybe I'm misreading things, but I saw today a conversation from someone over at Netflix and it seemed a little warmer towards some version of a resolution but who knows this stuff changes every hour right like as the conversation continues uh, but I know that we have Matt's back we have the writers back we got the unions backs so we'll keep promoting you guys uh, within the respect of the, the reunion rules we'll keep promoting you guys and making sure that they know about you and you know what this goes back to kind of what i've been telling you a year ago we gotta get you directing (laughs) i uh found out that matt uh started out wanting to direct 
became a writer, but he was a writer as well. But you know, he now he's focused as a writer. And we're gonna figure out how to make him like a short film, or I don't know, man. Whatever, whatever you, we're gonna force you to direct. So when this happens, you can pivot. All right, and then also, uh, we're gonna have you publish a comic book. I don't know. We're gonna try and get you lots of projects out there. Does that sound all right? Like, come on, man. I'm your I'm your hype person. That's what Geekscape's for. No, I love it. I, I hey, you know, you're, you're the most positive person that I know, Jonathan. And uh, I want to tap into some of that energy. And uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's uh, let's keep keep going. Energy or delusion? You tell me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fine line. <laughs> all right. Well, we're not delusional about our love for Matt. Uh, and speaking of Matt's that we love, it's the end of the day, day one, full day one. We've had a bunch of people signing here at the booth. Uh, I got to say, I love everybody who signed at the booth. My highlight, of course, was former Geekscape guest Tony Fleece and Tim Seeley talking about Local Man, my favorite comic. You guys could tell in my interview how much I was gushing about that book. Uh, Matt, what were the highlights for you as we wrap up this episode? You know, my highlights are always just hanging out with you, John. Just all of it. You discovering that you have a live mic on a con- convention floor, harassing passerbys. The 30 minutes I got to escape and attempt to do an Instagram live with Ashley, but the Wi-Fi here is dog shit, so nothing really came of it. Uh, you know, all the good stuff. A lot of cool cosplay. So a lot of cool cosplay. Uh, and we're going to see even more because Friday and Saturday are much bigger cosplay days than day one usually. Yeah, Geekscapists who are listening to this, the week of Comic-Con, I want to get in on that. Matt and Derek and everybody have been doing a great job of posting the cosplay and the sights and sounds of Comic-Con on all of our socials. So please, like, go join the social media stuff over on Instagram. There's lots of cool stuff on there that I see. I mean, I'm experiencing it through through you guys yeah. because y'all are posting a lot of great stuff. Um, and I got to tell you, this live mic... I kind of like being in the booth now because if somebody walks by, I just say something ridiculous to them. They come over, and that is the biggest mistake because I just take it up to another level, uh, calling people out for cosplay that they're not intentionally wearing. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, great blank costume. And it's like not what they intended to wear. And the biggest mistake you can do is engage me because we just start ripping. Uh, All in good fun. All fun. But sometimes I do want people to move away. Yeah. And so that, that becomes a, an issue. Uh, one of the things for the people listening, because obviously a lot of the Instagram stories would probably be gone by the time this episode comes out. If you go to the Instagram page, Geekscape Forever, I've already created the San Diego Comic-Con 2023 highlight reel. You'll just click that little button and it'll have every single thing that we've posted on our story from the time we've gotten to San Diego until the event's done. So you won't miss a single moment from here on out. Amazing. Matt, thank you. Here's to day number one. Matt, Sazama, I'm going to see you on Saturday for our panel, man. And next year for the signing of your comic book and creator-owned properties here at the Geekscape booth as I continue to put pressure on you to get a little DIY indie mindset. What's your college? What's your, what's your kid's college education? Come on. Just take that money and put it in your creator-owned comic book. Uh, my kids aren't listening to this, are they? I hope they're not. Nobody listens to this. <laughs> well, if the, depending on how long the strike goes on, I might be a professional comic book writer after a while. But no, no. Well, well I'll, I'll multitask. We'll be back to work uh, hopefully very soon. And directing. All right, Geekscapists, we will talk to you tomorrow. Stay on this feed. we got more Comic-Con coming this week. Peace.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 